0: What's up, church? How you guys doing? All right, good, good. Hey, um, last week we started a brand new series that we're going to be going through for the next eight weeks in the book of James. Okay, now James is, technically it's a letter, I guess, but James is, uh, it's a short book, all right? It's only a few pages long, but we are going to spend, be spending eight weeks because it is jam-packed full of good, 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 good stuff that applies directly to our life. It's just a super practical book. And so, James, he just says it straight up. Right? He says, Hey, do this. Hey, don't do that. Hey, this is good for you. This is bad for you. All right? He doesn't make it super complicated. It's all good stuff. And, uh, and he doesn't beat around the bush. He just tells us plainly, which is specifically what I appreciate. Uh, he's just very logical on everything. And so, James, the interesting thing about James is that James is the half brother of Jesus. Okay, now if you've been Catholic or maybe you were Catholic, um, you know, in in the past, that's something that you probably haven't heard before. Uh, but uh, but that's what the Bible tells us. James he's the half brother of Jesus, and at first he did not believe. He didn't buy it. Okay, when Jesus was doing his ministry, which he did from like age thirty to around age thirty three, James he was there. He didn't believe. He was like, no way, I'm not, this is my brother. Like, I'm not, you know, I've grown up with him my entire life. In fact, he was the guy that would go into houses. Remember, he, we talked about last week where there's a story that we see that that Jesus, he's talking, he's teaching the crowd. And there's a bunch of people and he's inside a house and the house is like spilling over with people. And James goes in there along with Mary, interesting enough, and they walk in there and, they, and James is like, whoa, guys, sorry, guys. Jesus isn't feeling well today. He doesn't know what he's talking about. He's kind of crazy. All right, Jesus, comes come down here, come here, you need, to, you need to come with us, come home with us, Jesus. Like that was James. James literally thought that Jesus was crazy. And James told people that he was crazy. And James was not into the whole Jesus thing until after Jesus' death, something happened. And it was the fact that Jesus came back to life from being dead. And this isn't like, you know, Jesus was dead for 20 minutes. The doctor, you know, brought him back, and he's like, hey, he's, he's back. That's not what happened. No, Jesus was dead for three days. He was buried. He was dead. He was killed by professionals who knew how to kill people. And so Jesus, when he comes back to life, there's nothing that James could do. I mean, James, he's just like, I, I can't argue against it. Like this, he's seen it with his own eyes, and James is just like, you know, he, he had to believe, okay? He he believed. From that moment on, James believes, and he buys into it so much that he ends up dying for his faith. In fact, at the end of his life, he is told to recant, saying, hey, you need to tell everybody that your brother Jesus is not God. And James like, I can't do it. I I, I, I can't do it. I saw it with my own eyes. And he was executed. He was actually thrown off a building, which didn't exactly kill him all the way. And so then he had his skull bashed in with a club. All right, that's how James... That's how James died. And so James, before that happened, obviously, he writes this letter and he's writing to people who are being punished for their belief. And some of them have witnessed some of their family members and friends die, right, just like James was about to be put to death just for their belief that Jesus was God. And so James, he begins his letter fittingly, he begins his letter with the idea of trials, all right, bad things happening in our life. And so today what we're going to be looking at is, this is the next thing that James kind of ties into his letters. He's saying, Hey, there is a reality within our trials that we must understand and know how to respond to. Okay, there's this thing. And this reality within our trials, it is so crucial to the Christian walk. It's so crucial that we understand how it works and why it works and where it comes from as a Christian. It's this thing called temptation. Now, temptation, it doesn't matter. How long you've been a Christian? You may have been a Christian for sixty years. Maybe you just, you know, got saved this morning or whatever. You know, it doesn't really matter how um, how strong your relationship with God is. This is something that every single person in this room, including myself, that's something that we all deal with. On a regular basis, it doesn't matter. We're all on the same boat, okay? Again, including myself. And so this is one of those subjects that once in a while I have somebody come up to me after the service, and, uh, and they'll say something like, hey, you know, Pastor Zach, uh, that was a good message, you know, whatever. And they'll say, but, you know, um, and a lot of times they'll hide behind this phrase. They'll say, why don't we do something, why don't you talk about something maybe a little more deeper? Because I already know that. That's usually how it is. I'm like, okay, I already knew that too. But this is something that I need to hear this morning. This is something that I needed to hear this week, All right? So it doesn't matter how how strong spiritually you think you are. You have to. You know, this is something that's good for you to hear, even if you've already heard before over and over and over again. Because guess what? Every single one of us, over and over and over again, we deal with temptation in our life, and so temptation it has a unique relationship with trials. It, it it just does. I mean, have you ever noticed? In, have you ever noticed that um, when life is going bad or something bad enters your life, that it's easier to make the wrong decision? You ever notice that? You kind of, and it kind of is a spiral downward. It's just easier, and it gets easier and easier. It's like for some reason, when life does not go the way that we want it to, it it gets easier for us to to do the wrong thing or to make the wrong decision, and that's because trials and temptation many times go hand in hand. They happen at the same time they go together. And so James, as he begins this letter, he, throughout this, well, this is the beginning of the letter, he explains, he says, hey, first I want you to understand where temptation comes from, and then I want you to understand how does temptation work on you, and then he wants us to understand how we need to respond to temptation in our life. And uh, and God, he's, my goal here is, is we're, I'm not trying to beat us up or anything. I'm not trying to pull on your emotions and make you feel guilty and go, you know, ooh, I did that thing yesterday or last week or something. You know, it's not, it's not what's going on here. James is very practical. He does, he's not playing with our emotions. He's not trying to stir something necessarily. Right? He's super practical. And so for me, that fits me because that's, that's how I am. I'm, like, super logical. And, uh, and so, like, this is where I want us to come from together. Let's together, me and you, this morning, us as a church family, my goal is let's just try to figure out how we can win more. Right? Like we're not going to 100% defeat sin in this life. None of us will. We should be getting better, though. We should, be able to, we should be able to fall to sin less and less and less. And so this morning, let's just come together. Let's look at what God has for us in the book of James. Let's just try to figure out how we can win more when we're battling with temptation. So you guys with me? Okay, we're good. We're here. Awesome. So James begins his letter, this is what we looked at last week. He starts off by talking about trials and how trials are used with used by God for our benefit, and how we should be asking God for wisdom. Yeah, okay. Wisdom. Come on, guys, work with me here. <laughs> wisdom, that's what we this is what we talked about last week, and that our pain actually has purpose, okay? It's good for us to go through. Uh, pain and hard times in our life. So he's just got done talking about that. We see in James chapter 1, verse 13, he says, no one undergoing a trial. Now, who goes through trials? Everyone, every single one of us, me, you, all of us. He says, no one undergoing a trial should say, I am being tempted by God. Since God is not tempted by evil, he and he himself, he doesn't tempt anyone. So James right here, he starts off, he's saying, hey, all right, First thing I want you to know is that God doesn't tempt anyone. Now, for some of you, if you were here last week, this might sound a little confusing to you because you're like, whoa, wait, 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 wait. Okay, so God, so this week he's saying God doesn't tempt anyone, but last week we talked about like for the whole time that God tests us. Like what's the difference? What's the difference between temptation and test and, and does God test us? And it's like, yeah, all the time he tests us. All the time. And so the question is, what's the difference? James, actually in the Greek, in the original language, what's he doing is he's, he's kind of playing on the words. It's a word play here. And he's contrasting two completely different things. He's talking about testing and temptation in just a few verses. We just split it up into two weeks. But testing, like we looked at last week, is that results in life. And temptation actually results in death, which we'll talk about in a couple verses away. So God allows us to go through difficult situations in our life. In fact, remember, he promises that we as a Christian, our life will get hard, and life might get harder just because we are a Christian. And he's saying, hey, and that's for our good. Right? That, that, that can be good for us. You guys remember the beginning with Adam and Eve? Remember what God does? He, uh, he literally plants a tree that just looks so good. It's like a perfect tree. Tree And it's got fruit hanging all over it. And the fruit looks good to eat. He plants that like in the middle of their home. Weird, right? Like that's what he decides. That's what God decides to do. And when he plants it in the middle of their home, he says, hey, look at this tree. Doesn't that look, doesn't that tree look so good? And and they're like, yeah. And he's like, don't eat of it. Okay. Eat from any tree, just not that tree. See, that's what he did. God put the tree there and he allowed them to make their own decision. That's the test. Now, what God doesn't do is he doesn't come up to Eve later and say, hey, man, that tree looks good. You know, does that tree look good? Man, that looks good. Man, that looks tasty. Aren't you a little hungry? Man, that, you know, that, uh, did I really say that you shouldn't eat from that tree? Was that the tree I pointed to or was I pointing around? You know, was that, did I really say that? Or, or, man, the rules here, it's like, uh, it's so restrictive in this garden. Like, what's going on here? What's, what was I thinking? That, God doesn't do that. That's temptation, right? That's what Satan does. You get the difference? God puts the tree there, but he never tempts us to take from the tree. Satan was the one in the beginning that tempted Adam and Eve to do that. God tests us. He never tempts us. And so right at the beginning, before James begins to explain how temptation and trials and how everything kind of fits together, James says, first thing I want to clear up, I just want you guys all to know, right, just in case there's any doubt out there or whatever, don't you ever say, don't you dare say that God ever tempts you because that's not true. That's what James is telling us. Now, for me, I deal with a lot of people. I hear a lot of stories. And I've noticed that for most people, this is just what I've noticed, most people, that when life is good, we tend to think we just, it's just natural we tend to think good things about ourselves meaning meaning we look at ourselves and we say man you know man I'm doing good right now like like this is good I got money in the bank I got a good job I'm doing well on my job my job my boss appreciates what I do you know my my husband or wife like like they appreciate me and just everything seems to be going well and we think hey my hard work my hard work is paying off hey I am nailing it today I don't know what it is or I've been nailing it this whole week and so what we end up doing when our life is good is we end end up looking at ourselves. It's just natural. This is just what every single one of us do. But then a lot of times when our life goes bad or something bad enters our life, we got some situation that we don't appreciate, something happens that we weren't exactly planning on. And when that happens, we automatically, instead of looking to ourselves, we automatically look to God and say, hey, God, what's going on here? This doesn't seem fair. Do you see this situation in my life? Do you understand that, that this is happening? Are you, you turning your back on me? Are you dealing with somebody else right now and you forget about me or, or what? Like that's what we naturally think. We naturally put blame on God. And James is like, no, he can't do that. Tell you, he tells us straight up. He's like, no, that's inconsistent with God's nature, right? That, that it, God cannot tempt. He can't do it. It's impossible for him to do it. And so just so you know, before we get rolling, he will never ever tempt you. You know, sometimes I hear people say things like, "Well, God gave me this desire, so of course I'm sure He assumed that I would act on it." Or, "God made me this way. He made me this way, and I struggle with this. And I, and and He did, you know, He He did that on purpose. So so you know, so God's okay with me in this situation today. And, and you gotta be so careful when you say stuff like that because because we've talked about this before. Our hearts are evil. We get that. Like our hearts are so messed up. And so just because we feel a certain way doesn't mean it's good and definitely doesn't mean that it's right. See, we shouldn't be blaming God. But that's naturally what we do. Remember when Adam sinned? The first time in the garden, God goes, he confronts Adam. Remember Adam's response? He blames God. Genesis 2, or Genesis 3, he says, the man replied. So God says, hey, Adam, what's going on? What happened? What's the deal? And the man replies, he says, oh, yeah, God, the woman that you gave to be with me, she gave me some of the fruit of the tree, and I took a small, tiny bite. That's what Adam does. He's like, technically, God, if you want to get technical here, Yeah, I did the wrong thing, but technically it's your fault because you gave me Eve and she was the one who gave it to me. And so if you would never have done that, then this would have never have happened. See, Adam, that's, that's exactly what he does. He blames God. And James like, you can't blame God when you fail. You can't do it because temptation is not from God. He's like, it has nothing to do with God. And so for us, the natural question that we should be asking ourselves this morning is, okay, James, I hear what you're saying. I hear what, you know, God, I, I hear what's going on here. But then where does it come from? Satan? Well, we see originally that it did. But it's different now. Back to James chapter one. He says, this is where it comes from. He says, but each person, everyone, every single one of us, including myself, is tempted when he is drawn away enticed by his own evil desires. So James, he's like, hey, you want to know where temptation comes from? He says, it doesn't come from God. It doesn't come from Satan. He's like, you want to hear the secret? Like, listen in. James like, it comes from you. He says, it comes from you. Within you. And it starts working within you. Look, he says, but each person is tempted when he is drawn away and enticed by his own evil desire. It's already in us. It's our, it's our sin nature within us. See, this word drawn away, it actually is, is, a, is a term that means, it's talking about like hunting or fishing. Uh, he says drawn away and enticed. Some translations, they use the word lure, which I, I like because it's like a fishing lure. Like we literally, you know, we, we call lure, fishing lures, lures. And uh, is like bait. How many, you guys, how many of you guys like to go fishing? We're my fishermen. Okay. All right. There might have been more in here than first service. In first service, we had a ton of people. Good for you guys. Okay. I'm not a fisherman. Not really into that. Um, whenever I go fishing, it's like, because th- here's the reason. Whenever I go fishing, it's like 75% of the time, it's a bad time. 25% of the time, it's really good doesn't seem to be any in the middle for me. I don't know what the deal is for that. And so for me, it's not worth the 75% of the bad time to get to the 25% of the good time. And then even when you have the 25% of the good days, then you got to clean them. All right. So no matter what, it turns bad and it turns bad quick. And so it's like a lose-lose situation. Even when you win, when you fish, you lose. That's what goes on. So that's why I don't fish. But James, what he's doing is he's using a fishing analogy to explain how temptation works in our life. And so he's like, it's kind of like a fishing lure. Okay, we look at this, and, you know, we throw this in the water as a fisherman. You throw this in the water, and you, you know, start reeling it in. It kind of skips along the top, and then then you kind of twitch it here and there so it looks like it's alive. And what are we trying to do? Well, we're trying to get the fish's attention. But we don't just want the fish's attention, do we? No, we want the fish's attention. Affection. We don't want the fish to go. Oh, hey, look! There's a little frog skipping along there. Oh, that's cute. Hey, frog. See you later. You know, that's not what we want. No, we want the fish to go. Hey, that looks good. I'm gonna go check that out. Hey, that that I'm I'm, I'm into that. And that's how temptation works in our life. What's the end goal as a fisherman? You want the fish to choose to give its attention to the lure and then give it your, your to give. For the fish to give it its affection, and then you got it. That's the end goal. That, that's that's, that's how, it's, how it's used. See, he, this is what he's saying. He's saying temptation is a lot like that. Notice, own evil desire, meaning, hey, when this temptation, whatever it is, when temptation is hitting you, guess what? Temptation is tailor-made for you. See, some fish would look at this and go, "A frog, you serious? Not into that, all right? All right, I, I, don't really, don't really, you know, that's nasty. I'm not, in, I'm not into frog. Hey, frog, it, gets the, it might get the fish's attention, but it doesn't get the fish's affection. And they just watch it skip on, skip on by. But then temptation is like, oh, that's, you know, that's okay. I got another one for you. And so then the fish, oh, I like the colors. Oh, I like how it. Spins, oh, shiny, you know, and then it goes for it and claps on. See, temptation is the exact same way in our life. We're all tempted, but every single one of us, we are unique in the variety of things that tempt us. Meaning, every single one of us, we all have a plethora of temptations in our life or lures in our life that we look at or that, that are there that are tr- constantly trying to attempt, uh, give constantly trying to get us to give it its attention, and in turn, it's a, you know, our affection. And so we got that. That's all around us. And so the, but every single one of us, we all have a different variety of those lures in our life that are always trying to get our attention. And so that's what he's saying. He's saying, hey, it's going to be different for each person, but we all have these things. And even though our lures might be different, temptation is the same. It works the same way. In verse 14. This is, but each person, you know, is tempted when it is drawn away and enticed by its own evil desires. Next verse, then after this desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and when sin is full and grown, it gives birth to death. See, James is saying, "Hey, listen, temptation comes from you, we win, and when we give it our attention." And when we give in to temptation, we give it our affection, we choose to act on the desire that we have from within us. Not from Satan, not from God. It's within us. And then it produces a baby. Now, most of us, we think of a baby. We think of the cute little baby that you hold, and it never cries and never poops and never does anything. And you just kind of hold it. Usually that means it's not yours. And, uh, and, and you just kind of hold it around, and it's like, oh, look at this nice little little baby. Sometimes I'm in the atrium and I'll look through the windows of the nursery, and I'll see Kate, where, there she is. I'll see Kate holding the baby, and she'll, like, we'll make eye contact. It's kind of weird. I don't know how that just happens once in a while. And I'll see her, and she'll, she'll look over, we'll make eye contact. And then she, like, looks down at it, and she looks up, she gives me the look, you know, like, <laughs> you know, I'm like, whoa put that baby down. Hey, that's somebody else's kid. Set that baby down right now. And, uh, and so, but it's it like that, right? Like, like temptation, or what am I saying? Temptation. It, that's what he's saying with a baby. What? With a baby. All right? That's how we naturally think of a baby. Now, James, he's saying, no, 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 no. You think it's a nice little baby. You think that's what it's going to produce when you Fall into temptation when you go along with temptation in your life. But he's like, it's not, it's not like a cute little baby. It's actually sin. That's what's birth. When we give something our attention, then we, then we give something our affection. And usually what we think in our life, we're like, hey, not a big deal. This is just a one-time thing. God's a forgiving God. He's not going to care if I do this this one time, and He's like, "But that is, it doesn't. It starts growing. That baby starts growing, and it grows and it grows. That's what sin does in our life. It never stays the same. It always grows. And then He says, and then sin produces a baby, and He says, and guess what? That baby is. That baby is death. He's saying, don't be deceived. Yeah, it looks good, but look downstream. Where's the path that you're on going? Have you ever driven to the wrong place? On accident, usually, right? No? Okay, I have. So the, uh, just on Friday, it was lunchtime here in Tiffin. And so I wanted to go to Burger King, because that's where I like, and I know a lot of you guys, it's the best fast food restaurant, and I know a lot of, 90% of you guys will be like, what, no way, and you're rolling your eyes at me right now, and then some of you guys right now are going, wow, you are really not healthy, and I'm okay with that, I will live a shorter life, but my life will be better than yours. So that's the honest truth, and I'm good with it. But anyway, I like Burger King, and I like it a lot, and it smells so good, and you can smell it from the road, and it's not microwave, it's flame broiled, and so it tastes better that way. And so anyway, I'm driving down Hopewell out here outside the fairgrounds, and I'm going towards Wendy's, and there's that light there on Market Street. You guys, some of you guys with no sense of direction, you're like, I don't know. Okay, so you'll just not be able to relate, but I'm driving there, but... There's a huge lineup. There's a ton of cars. There's a bunch of traffic out there. And Tiffin shouldn't be like this because we're, you know, it's a small town. But it is what it is. And that light on Market Street and Hopewell at that intersection, it only allows like three cars to go through every green, which is super annoying. Some people are going slow. There's cars everywhere. Everybody seems to be in, in my way at lunchtime on Friday when I'm trying to go to Burger King. And so I'm sitting there outside the fairgrounds. And I think to myself, I'm like, you know what? I'm pretty close to Burger King. I bet if I start snaking through these parking lots, I can get there. Never attempted that before. Technically, you're probably not supposed to do that. In fact, there was a sign at, uh, at one of the places that was like, don't, you know, no through traffic. But I'm like, you know what? I'm hungry, so we're gonna, just going to try this. So that's what I do. I go through. I go behind Molliettes, I go behind Ace. I go behind a car lot. I go behind Tim Hortons. And at Tim Hortons, they put up in between Tim Hortons and Verizon, McDonald's, Burger King. So I'm close. But in between Tim Hortons and Verizon, they put a curb. It's like they do it on purpose. There's like nothing there but a curb so that I can't do what I'm trying to do. And so I'm like, oh, so now I got to go back out to Market Street. I can't turn left because there's so many cars. I'm going to have to turn right. And then, then it splits. I don't know why they did, you know, I'm sure there's a thousand reasons, but I don't like it. So they, then it splits and then becomes one way. Then I got to make my way around. It's just a disaster. But then I noticed that there is a small little area in between Tim Hortons and Verizon. I think I can kind of sneak my car through if I go up to the road and kind of go into the road just a little, go the wrong way for a second, and then get over and so I do that because I'm hungry. And so I do that. And then at the end of Verizon, Great Clips, whatever building that is, in between that and McDonald's, there's grass and curbs, and they don't let you go through. So then I had to go out to Market Street, take a right, figure out how to get to the left, pull into big lots, turn all, go all the way through that parking lot, find a stoplight, cross Market Street, go to McDonald's, and then go through McDonald's, stop at like the four stop signs they got there into Burger King. <laughs> And so it just didn't work. It was a pain. That's what temptation is like in our life, right? It takes you down the wrong road. I thought I had an easier way. I thought, hey, if I, this isn't right, but if I go through this way and cut and do this and do that, I think it'll actually be better for me. It's interesting, most of the times when we fall to temptation in the back of our minds, we're always thinking, hey, this will be better for me. But it always hurts us. It's just how it is. See, when we choose to go with temptation, we think it will take us to where we want to go. But James is like, no. Newsflash, it doesn't work that way. It doesn't. The path might look good. You might think you're pretty close. But it will still lead you to the wrong place. He's saying what you need to do is you need to take a step back. When we're facing temptation, which every single one of us in here we all do. We need to take a step back and we think, hey, if I do this, if I take this drink, or if I send this text, or if I spend time with this person, or if I answer this way, or if I do this, or whatever it might be, right, it, we should be thinking, where is that going to lead me? James says, hey, if it's sin, man, it's eventually, it's going to lead to death, but there's good news because James explains how we can fight it. He says, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. By his own choice, he gave us birth. Here we go. We got the birth thing again. Everybody has birth in in James 1. I don't know. Sin. Everything does. But gives us birth by the word of truth so that we would be a kind of first roots of his creation. So here's James, he's explaining, hey, temptation takes, but you know what? God gives. And God's gifts are always, 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 100% of the time, good. And so James, he describes God as the father of lights. And it's, it's kind of this connotation of, in the ancient language, of, hey, the sun. Have you ever looked at the sun? Super bright. But even the sun casts shadows. He's saying God is like light that doesn't even cast shadows. There's, there's no shadows around. It's just light. Everywhere, hitting you from every single side. He's saying that light is unchanging, and because that, God's gifts never contain traps, they never contain trips and tricks, and they never contain incitements. He's saying the truth, which is found in here, God's Word, the Bible, he's saying this is what actually gives us birth. Again, everybody's giving birth. The temptation gives birth, sin gives birth. Now here's the truth, gives birth. He's saying, hey, Christians, we're like reborn. That's why we hear the phrase like born again Christians or reborn, because in that moment, when we decide that we, we want to start a relationship with God, which we're, none of us are born with, that's not something we've always believed. No, that's a choice that we make at some point in our life. When that happens, God moves into our life and God starts working on us, and God tells us that we become like a new person. And so he's saying sin is a process in our life, and, and God has changed us. He's made us a new person, and he's used the truth, which is the Bible, to keep us on the right road, to try to keep us away from that sin in our life. And temptation comes from us, and temptation works within us see this truth is a tool to fight against temptation knowing it is a tool to fight against temptation jesus used this when he was being tempted by the devil i mean th- this is what we have this is our tool this is our weapon and this is what i see happen within church people or within the church with church people is what we end up doing okay when life is going good and everything, everything seems to be going well for us. And what we end up doing, and maybe it's just busy. When life gets busy, we end up ignoring this truth. We just ignore it. We don't have time for it. We keep it on the back burner. It's not important enough to us in our life to make it one of the main things. And when we do that, we're missing the main weapon that we have to fight against temptation. Now, temptation is going to happen regardless. The question is, do we have the truth, the stand up against temptation, or do we not? And so when we do that and temptation comes against us, we give it our we give it our attraction and then we give it our affection. then we fail. The Bible says that, hey, we feel guilty, you know, some of us we, we react different ways, either we feel guilty or we blame God. And the Bible says that what we should do is we actually should as Christians, Go to God and repent, meaning, well, what's that mean? That's a churchy word that we don't use all that often here because I'd rather explain it. But that means where we feel somewhat remorse, we feel sorry for what we've done, and then we choose to change. That second part's the main part. We choose to change our lives. And so what happens is we fail all right? We don't repent. We don't go to God. Instead of running to God, we actually end up running away from God. And there's a variety of reasons why we do that. Sometimes I think we're just embarrassed. Sometimes we have guilt. Sometimes we think that it works out at the moment, and we're in the clear, and maybe God doesn't care because, after all, God's a forgiving God, and this isn't that big of a thing. But when we ignore God, that just makes us weaker, and it becomes easier and easier and easier to fail, and it's just this downward spiral that happens in our life, and it just eventually leads to misery. See, that's what James is warning us about. He's saying that road that you're on, man, you're going to fall the temptation and, 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 it's, and it always leads to misery and it's going to get easier and easier and easier and then eventually the word that he uses is, is death. See, instead we need to focus on this truth that being where we live, every single one of us has access to Right, coming here on a Sunday morning and hearing it once a week, going through five verses once a week and week and studying on them, that's not enough. Right? That's not enough truth. You need to be working in it on a daily basis, learning this truth that God has given us. See, instead, we need to focus on this truth, specifically the gospel, the good news of what Jesus has done for us, and we will end up winning with temptation more and more in our life. See, we're always moving. I think a lot of times we think, hey, we're not, we're, you know, in my relationship with God, I might not be getting better, but I'm definitely not getting lower. It's like we think we're just kind of planed out and everything's all good. That's not true. We're either going up or we're going down. Either we're, we're growing in our relationship with God or we are falling in our relationship with God. Either we're moving towards God or we're moving away from God. And so my question for you today, this morning, specifically with temptation, you know, I don't know. What you struggle with, only you do. But my question for you is, what's that lure in your life? Specifically you. It's tailor-made for you. What's that lure in your life? Or let's be honest here, right? Because we all struggle with a variety of things. What are the top three lures in your life? What are they? What are you struggling with right now, you know, on a daily basis? We all got them. And James is saying, hey, we all have a choice. Are we going to go after it or are we going to resist? So God's telling us here this morning, he's saying, hey, don't be deceived. It will kill you. You pursue that temptation, you pursue that thing or those things, man, you're headed for misery, and God doesn't want that for us. He does not want that for you. See, temptation offers us death, and God offers us so, something so much better. God offers us life completely opposites. And so James saying, hey, this morning, just know that temptation comes from within us, it lures us in, and we end up giving it our attention, and then we end up giving it our affection. He's saying our response when temptation hits our life, which it will, needs to be to run to God and run to this truth, because this is the only thing that's going to help it's the only thing that's going to stop that downward spiral. Let's pray. God, we thank you for these words, and thank you for explaining to us how temptation works in our life. God, you, uh, you clearly care about us enough and love us enough to, to give that to us. God, we ask that you would help us to fight against temptation, help us not to sin, sin, Help us to choose to do the right thing. Help us, when, when, even when we mess up, God, that instead of running away from you, help us to run to you. God, we thank you for loving us. And we thank you for caring about us when you don't have to at all. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.